Lord, we've come to the time in this service now when we open your word to harvest and glean the truth that will set us free. We know, O Lord, that you are the author of all good things. And we pray, O Lord, that right now at this specific moment that you would be what this congregation needs, that your word would speak to our hearts this morning in a special way, that you would move in our midst and help us, O Lord, to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Bless this time together in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Psalm 19 is one of the very familiar ones, very early on. C.S. Lewis said it's the greatest lyrics of any of the Psalter's psalms. The greatest lyrics. Well, that means you've got to get ahead of Psalm 23, doesn't it? That means you've got to get a, ahead of Psalm 37 about them good women. That means you've got to get ahead of Psalm 91, Psalm 100, Psalm 107. So he says to him, this is the greatest lyrics of any of the psalms that David wrote. For C.S. Lewis to say that, that's a lot. Let's read it. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You mean the heavens are worshipers? You mean the sun, the stars, the moon, the Milky Way, the solar system is all a part of worship to God? And that all of these lights are worshipers of God? And all of them are equally endowed with the ability to praise. Even though one is much brighter than the other, one is much larger than the other, one is a source, the other is a reflection, yet they all have one thing in common. Each one of them preach the praises of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. They just keep on doing it. Every day the sun comes up. Every night the moon comes out. Every night the stars shine bright. Day unto day uttereth speech. They do it night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. There's not a place on earth where the sun doesn't shine and the stars of the moon aren't seen. So the message they preach is seen all over the earth. There is no speech, there is no language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth. And their words, their words, you mean the sun has words to say? You mean the stars have words to say? The moon has words to say? And their words, no speech, no language, the line has gone out through the earth, and their words are to the end of the world. In them, the words, hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. A tabernacle for the sun that means a dwelling place, a habitation for the sun. The center of our solar system 
has to depend upon God for a place to dwell, a habitation for the son, a tabernacle for the son, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth, he's talking about the son now, his going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit is unto the ends of the whole world. And there is nothing that is hid from the heat of the sun. What a great preacher the sun is. Verse 7, you know this one, it's very familiar. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. In some renderings and in and some other translations, it says reviving the soul. The word of the Lord, hey, I'll take both, won't you? That the word of the Lord revives and the word of the Lord converts. Amen. It changes things that need to be changed and it addresses things that need to be addressed. And the word of the Lord is perfect. It lacks nothing. It is complete in itself. Amen. In fact, God said, don't try to add anything to it. And don't try to take anything away from it. Because it's exactly like I want it. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. There is nothing that will inform you like the word of God will. There is nothing that will lead you and guide you and direct you like the word of the Lord will. There is nothing that will feed you like the word of the Lord will. There is nothing that will illuminate your path like the word of the Lord will. Would you give God a hand clap this morning and thank him for the word of God? The word of the Lord is perfect. Put up one finger. The word of the Lord is perfect perfect. The statutes of the Lord are right. Put up two. Rejoicing the heart. The fear of the Lord, verse 9, is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Wow. The law of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous and more desired than gold. Boy, that's a mouthful. Mouthful. Huh. In one of my sleepless renderings last night, dogs kept me awake. Thunderstorms. Boom! Debbie took off to the beach to visit with some relatives and left three dogs with me. Can you believe that? Not one, not two, but three. That's another matter we got to take up when she gets back. One of my sleepless nights, I was watching the uh, A&E and all those channels that try to Learning channel, try to, hey, it's right the way, learn you something. Might teach me something, you can't learn me anything. But did you know I saw where they had gold that is in Fort Knox, Kentucky, and boy, they're awful secretive about that. Yeah, that's a, one of the big, how much is there? Yeah, 
and they counted something like 35,000 or so bars or ingots of gold. Boy, that must be really a lot, billions and billions of dollars of gold. But all of the gold in Fort Knox, Kentucky, is not worth the statutes, the commandments, the judgments, the fear, and the blessing of the Lord. More to be desired are the words that are up there on that screen than what's deposited in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Because you may know how many ingots and how many bars there are and how much they weigh, but you can't hear the word that you need to hear because there will come a time when you'll need that word a whole lot more than you'll need all the gold in Fort Knox, Kentucky. There will come a time when more precious to you will be this word that's laying on this stand that all the deposits of gold around the world, around the world, there is no gold more precious than God's Word. There's a story that I heard many years ago, and it's about the wild, wild west. When you get my age, you start watching westerns. Gun smoke, have gun will travel, the big valley. Hey, we could vote here, and I think folks are voting as I'm calling these off. Yeah. And one of those stories about people going west was that on the trail, on the eastern slope of the Rockies, and right in the middle of the wagon trail and all the, the marks and the ruts that have been, there's this stone that's there. And for years, they fussed about it. It broke wagon wheels. It caused people to stumble over it. They stepped on it. They walked over it, kicked it as they went by it. Finally, they decided they would roll it over in a creek that was nearby to help people get across the creek. And then a guy built a cabin nearby, and he needed a place to climb up on to get up to his place, so he dug it out of the creek and put it up there on the path to his house to help him get one more step up. His son was a geologist, and he said, that's a mighty weird-looking stone you got there, Dad. Have you ever had that thing essayed? And he said, no. And so the geologist took it to the assayer, and they washed the dirt off and got the mud and chiseled around about and found the largest nugget ever discovered on the eastern slope of the Rockies. Now, the crux of that whole story is, for centuries, people had tripped over it, kicked it, talked about it, walked on top of it, stumbled over it, and it was there all the time to be a blessing if somebody only knew. You see, Jesus, there are people that have tripped over him. There are people that have walked on him. There are people that have made snide remarks about him. 
And though they've tripped over him and stepped on him and stumbled at him, he remains today the one name that is above every name. The name that brings salvation, that brings deliverance and brings healing for our bodies. That one name, the name of Jesus, at one time every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you give God some praise in this house today? Yes, sir. Yes, God. More desired are these commandments and statutes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Judgment of the Lord is true and righteous. More to be desired than gold, yea, much fine gold. And sweeter, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Sweeter. We used to sing it years ago. Sweeter each day, sweeter each day. My love grows sweeter each hour of the day. Sweeter each day. Oh, you get the song, sweeter each day. Sweeter gets the journey is another song. We all talk about the sweetness of God's presence, the sweetness of God's grace. I want to tell you, he, this writer, the psalmist, David got it right, and C.S. Lewis is getting close. Hey, that's pretty good lyrics. I don't know any that's much better than that. That the relationship that we have with God, the praising to our God, the blessing of our God is sweeter than the honeycomb, he said. Wow. Who can understand? Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. The word of the Lord is not just a blessing in that it fills us with praise. It also is a teacher and a guide that will give us warning. Hmm. By these same judgment, by these same statutes, by these same commandments, by the same fear of the Lord, he said he is warned by them, and in keeping of them, there is great reward. Great reward. Not just reward, but great reward. Do you have a reward? Is there in heaven laid up in store for you a reward? Is there a place in heaven where God is reserving a place for you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Praise God. Hallelujah. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith henceforth. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day, but not to me only, but to all of them also that love his appearing and his kingdom. Praise God, there's a reward. And the Bible said it's a great reward. Not just a reward, but it's a great reward. A great reward, a brand new body, and a, and a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me, O God, from secret faults, and keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Boy, the sin of presumption is a hard one to detect 
because we make a lot of excuses for ourselves. You see, sometimes when we become so presumptuous, it means that we take God for granted. We take salvation for granted. We take the benefits and blessings of God. We just presume that God is okay with whatever we do. We just presume that God is so loving, God is so kind, God is so merciful, and that's the school of thought of the culture right now. That there is no hell, that there is no judgment, that there is no, no eternal punishment. The, that all is just a, a figment of someone's imagination to try to make people live better. That's presumptuous. That's to assume something that is not so. Is not so. The Bible said, don't be deceived. Especially deceived by your own self. Don't be presumptuous. Presumption means that you have deceived yourself. The Bible said, when a man deceiveth himself, if he thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. It's terrible for you to sell yourself a bill of goods and make yourself think, well, Brother Jerry, where do where, where you get that out of the Bible? Jesus said there would be people that would come to judgment expecting a reward. People would come to judgment saying, we've cast out devils. We've prayed for people to be healed, and they were healed. Miracles have taken place. Have we not cast out devil? Have we not healed? Have we not set at liberty? Haven't we done all of these things? We're expecting a reward. And Jesus said, get out of here. I don't know you. Because what the psalmist is saying as though they're desirable and you love statutes and you love the commandments and they have great reward, they won't save you. The law can't save you. Commandments are great that you do them. They make good works and good works are good. They're commendable. That's a blessing. You'll be blessed if you keep commandments. But doing commandments won't save you. There's only one thing that can save you. And that's when he gets to the last verse, when he says, let the words of my mouth. I've got to reach a place when I smack myself on the breast and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I've got to reach the place that I recognize my lostness and I understand my alienation from God. I understand my separation by my sinful nature and my sinful living. And how in the world can I be reconciled and how can I be made one with a God who is so holy, who is so infinitely blameless, who is so perfect in all of his ways? How can I have relationship? I who am a sinner, I who am filthy, I who am lost, I who am without no hope and a depraved, a stranger. How can a stranger have relationship with God? If we confess our sin, 
He is faithful. And he is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise our God. Let the, let the words of my mouth, and Lord, let my mouth speak what's in my heart. Lord, don't let my mouth get disconnected from my heart. Don't let me claim something I don't have. Don't let me say things with my mouth that aren't really true in my heart. Come on, somebody. Lord, connect my heart with the words that I say. Let the meditation of my heart cause me to say acceptable words in your sight. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable because my heart has been made clean by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ who cleanses me from all sin. Therefore, I have defeated the devil. I've overcome the devil. It is planned to destroy me. For God hath given me the victory through his Lord Jesus and has made me an heir and a joint heir with Christ. Hallelujah. What a blessing that is. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart keep back thy servant from those presumptuous sins and don't let them dominate me. Don't let me, O oh Lord, become such a selfish individual that I would not realize my need for God and my need for what he can do. And then I'll be upright. Praise God. Upright. I'll be innocent from the great transgression. What Adam and Eve did in the garden, I can undo. What Adam and Eve failed to accomplish, I can accomplish. What Adam and Eve were responsible for, I can cover up that transgression with the blood of Jesus Christ. I can win the victory over that initial sin, that, that original sin. I can defeat the depravity of humanity by simply accepting the Lord Jesus in my heart and accepting what he did at Calvary's cross as sufficient payment for the sin that is in my life. For Christ sent me, 1 Corinthians 1, 17. Christ did not send me to baptize. Christ sent me to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto we which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wives? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Hath God not taken the way the world thinks and proven it to be foolishness? Hasn't God proven that he is the only wise God and that everybody who are in the world and thinking that this world is going to satisfy and thinking that this world has been doing good works, you can get your way into heaven, that by giving to United Way or giving to St. Jude or 
giving to this or giving to that, that God will be obligated? God is saying to every one of us, Jesus is the light. He is the true light that lights every man that cometh into the world. And the light hath shined into the darkness. But the darkness thought it was foolishness. The darkness comprehended it not. You see, to many that are lost in darkness, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. To many who are lost in darkness, the preaching of the cross is a waste of time. So many religions that say if you'll just do good things, God would be obligated. But I want to tell you, God is not obligated. No. God is obligated to one thing, His Word. His Word. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon eternal life. Lay hold upon eternal life. Keep that which is committed into your trust and fight. Somebody say fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. Don't let the wisdom of this world make foolish in your life the words of God. Don't let the reverse take place, but let the opposite take place. Let the Word of God make foolish the things of this world. They sing it sometimes around here. Lift your eyes upon Jesus. Look right in His wonderful face. And the things, the things, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Don't let anything, don't let any foolishness destroy your praise. Don't let any foolishness take away your reward. Don't let any kind of foolish thought. You know, the Bible said the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. It's foolish to think there is no God. It's foolish to think that there is no judgment. It's foolish. The Bible said be not deceived. The day of the Lord will come. It will come. Well, Brother Jerry, I saw on television that the end of this world was coming and that these aliens are coming from, there's several million inhabitable planets that are in the same solar system and operate on the same flight as we do. And they're inhabited just like we are. And they've made many trips to this earth and they've, come and they're, they're coming one day and they're going to take us all prisoner. Don't let the foolishness of this world undo the truth of God's Word in your life. I'm sure up there they've got a chief UFO operator. I'm sure they've got a God up there somewhere that they call a, a God. 
That's foolishness. Don't you let that foolishness disarm you. Arm yourself with the whole armor of God. Put the breastplate of righteousness on. Put on the helmet of salvation. Shod your shoes with the preparation of the gospel and fight the good fight of faith. Don't let foolishness win over the truth and the wisdom of God. Boy, that's good stuff. <laughs> that little woman, thank you, Lord, for bringing that to my memory. That little woman in Luke, what is it, Luke 9, I think it is. It's in John 12, if that won't work. John 12's got it. In fact, all four of the evangelists report it. And they talk about this little woman that her praise was so important to her that she took a lot of risk. Does your praise get risky sometimes? Does your praise spring up in you like an artesian well? Do you ever have a spring up? I said, does your praise ever spring up? Is there ever a time, the Bible said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers? I don't know about you, but if a river's coming out of me, that's got to be a pretty gushing event. Now, I could understand to get a trickle, but to get a river. Is your praise a river? Or is your praise a branch? Are you just a branch or are you a river? What kind of praise have you got? Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers. Not just one, but rivers. Not dead water, not stagnant water, not pond water. Not water that stands still and don't move. Woo! God said it would be living water, rivers of flowing, beautiful, oxygenated water. Is that what's flowing out of you? Is that the praise that's coming out of you? Rivers of living water. This little lady, bless her heart, and it's recorded in all four, but come on, Olivia, and help me quit. You wanted to hear that, didn't you? This little woman, brother, we don't even have her named in three of the Gospels. John's the only one who even mentioned her name. Said her name was Mary. Said her name was Mary. Luke just says she was a sinner. And you know how I am about these words, and you get to looking up these words and getting the origin of these words. It's a lot worse than just a sinner. Yeah, what you're imagining is true. Yeah. She was a, a harlot. And the Bible calls them harlots and sinners, that Jesus entertained harlots and sinners. Isn't it strange that Jesus was friends with people and didn't back off because the temple didn't think too much of them? That he would stop at the publican's booth who was collecting taxes and look him in the eye and lay some gospel on him. I said, lay some gospel on him. Levi, who is Matthew, 
Levi's sitting here collecting taxes. Jesus walks by and he says, Would you be saved? Then get up from where you're sitting and follow me. And the Bible said, And he got up and followed him. You mean salvation is that simple, Brother Jerry? You mean Jesus just says, Come and you get up and go? You mean Jesus just says, I've got the gift of eternal life for you, and you just reach out there and take it? Is that the way this works? For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. Brother, when God gives the gift of salvation, all you do is just respond and do what he tells you to do. If he says, come to me, if you have to walk on water like Peter did, then get out of the boat and start walking. If he says, come to me and you're hungry, then you'll find food when you get there. If he says to you, come to me and drink the water that I shall give and you'll never thirst again, then when you get to where he is, you'll find water waiting on you. Because whatever you need, that's what Jesus has got. Whatever you need, that's what Jesus employs. He's a God who meets every challenge. He's a God who carries every burden. He's a God who heals every disease. He's a God that forgives every sin because in him there is no variance and there is no shadow of turning. He is the eternal God and he always will be God. Somebody give God some holy praise in this house. Well, hallelujah. Sit down. I got one more nugget. One more nugget. Luke said she's a sinner. And Luke said this Simon. Now, there's got to be more than one Simon. Got to be more than one. Because one of them in Luke's gospel, he comes very... Well, right in the middle of Jesus' ministry is when this little woman shows up. And we got four stories, and we got two Simons. We got one who is Simon the Pharisee. And we got another one who is Simon the leper. Got two Simons. And Mark 14 says the one that was at Bethany and that... Jesus stopped in probably with Mary and Martha that that Simon there was Simon the leper. Simon the leper. Well, Matthew in Matthew 21 calls him Simon the Pharisee. Mark calls him Simon the Pharisee. Luke calls him Simon the Pharisee. John calls him Simon the leper. Two of them. Well, now Bethany means the city of figs. The city of fruitfulness. The city of figs. Why? Because there's so many of them planted around Bethany. And it's just known as the place where you go get figs. Strange that you know a place by what happens there, isn't it? It's like you guys going up there and getting your, 
tomatoes on Sand Mountain, the place where you get tomatoes. Yeah. Well, Bethany was the place where you go get figs. And it's also known as Bethany is the house of misery, place of misery. And what, according to Josephus and Eusebius, who were first century historians, they said it was actually a leper colony there at Bethany. There were actually lepers. So Simon the leper was probably a person that was in the colony that was diseased with leprosy. Well, Brother Jerry, we're, how in the world did a leper get in the house and own a house? How did a leper eat with healthy people? He's a leper. He's got to stay 50 feet away from anybody. When he gets around anybody that is not diseased, he's supposed to cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. And the Bible says Simon the leper ate with them and this woman comes in with this box, an alabaster box, and it was full of nard, spicanard, and she began to anoint the head of Jesus. Anointing for the head lets us know that she recognized him to be king. But then she washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair and anointed them. So he's got anointed feet and he's got an anointed head. So he's a king, but he's also a servant. He's a servant king. And listen, the only way Simon could be in that house, the only way he could be sitting at that table, the only way he could participate in everything going on there is Jesus must have healed him of his leprosy because under no circumstances could he have been in that house if he had leprosy. So we got a sinful woman and we got a diseased man that's been made whole, healed by the power of God in the life of Jesus. And we got a woman and her praise. Praise. And there was a critic who criticized her praise. Now listen, if a critic can stop your praise, they probably will. But I like to think I'm preaching to people that just because somebody criticizes you, it don't shut your mouth and it don't stop your praise. I just like to think that just because you're a little loud, that don't mean you need to stop your praise. It's all right to be a little loud with your praise. It's all right to be excited with your praise. 
it's all right to be exuberant with your praise. And I don't care how some old wet blanket sitting around says, I wish he'd sat down. Don't you let that stop your praise. Don't let that stop your worship. Let your praise flow. She was determined a critic's not going to stop me from praising. And she kept on washing and kept on anointing. And the Bible said, and one spoke up and said, Could this not have been used to sell and take the money and give it to the poor? Jesus said that would have been good, but said you've got poor people with you always. Said you've got 2,000 years at least to help the poor. You're not going to have me much longer. If you want to worship me, you better get to worshiping right now, he said, because I'm not going to always be here. I may leave most any time, and I'm going to where my father is. So if you want to pour some perfume on me and anoint me, you better get to doing it now because, glory to God. And do you know, I'm fixing to quit, I promise. Do you know? who the critic was. Judas. 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 And the Bible said he objected to that praise because he was a thief. He kept the bag he had the money. He didn't want to help poor people. He just wanted to make sure there's some in there when he decided to get, you got it. Don't you let anybody steal your praise. Don't you let somebody walk off with your praise. Don't you let somebody take your praise and put it in their hind pocket. Don't you let anybody have your praise. Don't let it be stolen from you. It's yours. God wants you to have it. And you protect and guard your praise. When the devil comes a-knocking and he wants to steal your praise, say, no, you're not getting my praise. Bad things may happen, but you're not going to get my praise. Good mind to get Linda up here and let her sing about that. I never lost my praise. Lost my joy for a little bit and lost my hope for a little bit, but I never did lose my praise. Praise God, don't you lose your praise. As long as you can keep praising, you can keep going. As long as you can keep praising, the devil will never get a foothold on you. Hallelujah, because he won't stay around. He's like the dark. He won't stay around where the light's shining. And if you'll turn on the light and let the light shine and let the glory and the praise go up to God, the devil to get out of there. That's how you rebuke him, and that's how you resist him. You start lifting up the Lord Jesus, and the devil will get out of town. I said, if you lift up the Lord Jesus, the devil will get out of town. Oh, yeah. And if Harvest would be so busy as to start lifting up Jesus so powerfully and so wonderfully, then you'd see the devil get out of town. If you want to run the devil off, start praising. Just get to praising, and the next thing you know, he slipped out a corner somewhere. Because he won't hang around where he's not top dog. 
And I refuse to ever let him have that position. Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father, and he always will be Lord. Always be Lord. Joel, can I do something this morning? I want to pray for you. Can I come back there and pray for you? If some of you will just have some faith while I'm getting back there. Just need a few people to have some faith. Hotter up there on that stage than it is down here. Yes, sir. Joel, I believe God can touch you, buddy. He's done it before. Many miracles. Many miracles. In a short period of time. Many times, short period From, of time. From um, May the 5th until June the 13th, five surgeries. Five. Five surgeries, he said. Uh, no tumors. No more tumors. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. <laughs> no, you look like you're coming on fine. Thank you, God, for touching Joel. Thank you, God, for no more tumors. God, I ask you to keep your hand on him, and may he steadily gain strength and get better and more healthy than he's ever been in his life. Touch him with your hand of blessing and anointing, I pray. May things work out good for him in this battle that he's fighting. And I thank you for the victory of the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. And amen. Praise God. Listen to what he said to me. Blessed and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored, he said. <laughs> Sherry, that's a miracle. Ain't it a miracle? Miracle. Let me get over here. I'm, I'm going that way. Are you still praying? Help me believe. Scott, what God has started, he's going to finish. He finishes what he starts. He's brought you a mighty long way, buddy. Amen. A lot of people standing here that's prayed a many a prayer for you, buddy. Amen. It has worked. And it has worked, he said. Amen. Last time I was over at your house, you were a mighty sick man. Mighty sick. About to have some surgeries. But I told you that day when I prayed with you that God is able. And you said, I believe he is, Brother Jerry. And he has been proven to be able, hasn't he? He has. Praise God. You know it's a miracle you sitting here, don't you? You know that. That's a miracle. Kelly, it's a miracle. It is a miracle. Thank you, God. Two testimonies that said, my God heals. Both of them, oh Lord, have had very difficult times. But Lord, we thank you that they're sitting in the house of the Lord today saying I'm blessed and highly favored. Thank you that we're sitting in the house of God today saying, I'm, I'm a miracle. I thank you for what you've done for Scott, Lord. And I ask you, God, to keep your hand upon Scott. Move upon him, O Lord, and continue to bless him. Help him, O Lord. O God, help him to gain strength and to gain weight and to get healthy again and strong. I thank you. You've started a great work in him. 
and I believe you'll finish it. I thank you, I glorify you, I praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You be healed, Scott. You be healed. You be healed. In the name of Jesus, you be healed. Praise the Lord. It works, Elise. It works. Yes, sir. She gave me that thumbs up. That means it works. Works, Eddie. It works. Can't lose with the stuff I use. <laughs> I said you can't lose with the stuff I use. Can't lose. Touch your neighbor and say, can't lose. Can't lose. She keeps sending me messages, not a hair. Y'all remember that sermon? God told the people that was fighting the battle, he said, not a hair on your head. Not a hair on your head. You ain't got one anyway. <laughs> not a hair and no hair. Thank you, God, for what you've been to us today. Thank you for the great way you've touched us. Thank you that you're on the throne. And thank you that your power still works in the lives of your people. I thank you for these healings, Lord, that we've heard about today, these testimonies of people that have been in the trenches fighting the battle. And they're in the house of the Lord today, miraculously saying, I'm here by the grace of God. Oh, Lord, touch our people. Touch Marie Motes. Minister to her, God, today and touch her body and heal her. Bless all of our people, God, that we're playing. Jeff Wilson, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd touch Jeff Wilson. Minister to him, oh, Lord Jesus, as he's taking those treatments and going through that ordeal. Help him, Lord, I pray. Strengthen his body and heal him by your power. Dismiss us from this place of worship. We'll give you glory and honor and praise because we're your people. Amen and amen.